y'all. Just want to start by uh, saying how good it is to be here. It's been a while since I'm going to be back in St. Thomas since my ordination. So it's glad to be back here. I'm off of the seminary for Thanksgiving, so I'm glad to be back in Thibodeau for a little bit. So it's good seeing all y'all. So we're getting to the end of the year. Uh, things are kind of winding down. If we look at Walmart, that's kind of our big sign that in the year is coming. Christmas is up everywhere. And we're also coming to the end of the church year. Um, the church year actually ends a little earlier, so when Advent starts, that's a new church year. And what the church does every year at the end of the year is she reminds us of the real end, of the end of the world, the final judgment that we heard about in the gospel and we heard in the first reading. Heaven and earth passing away, all the things collapsing. And you know, it's not really something that we have in our forefront in our day-to-day life. We don't wake up in the morning and think, all right, today's probably this could be the day where the world ends and everything just kind of goes away, as much maybe sometimes we want it to. Um, but that's not kind of really on our forefront. And now I don't want to ignore that dimension in the readings because that's important, but I kind of want to look at these readings through a different lens. So the scriptures, they're, they're packed with meaning. They have different layers. And that's because that's why when we can read the same thing over and over again, and it speaks different things to us, depends on what, what's going on in our life. And so while we have this big cosmic end-of-the-world dimension to the readings, what if we think about it maybe in a more personal way, on a kind of more of an individual level? Have you ever felt like in your own life, maybe that the sun was darkened, that the stars were falling, that everything was shaken, you didn't really know what was going on, things weren't going right, and you just didn't know what to do? I think many of us can kind of sympathize with that sort of experience, where we feel like our world was kind of collapsing. And I think the question that we want to ask in those times is, is where are you, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? What, why, how, can, how can you let this happen to me? There's lots of, lots of difficult things in the world between illness and disease, things like depression, anxiety, broken relationships. It's easy to see that there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of suffering in the world. And even we kind of can play this bargaining game with God, saying, God, look at all these things that I do for you. How can you let this happen? It's hard. And we come to church, we do these things, and our faith just doesn't seem to take that away. And even though our faith isn't supposed to take that away, it still does, it does something. It does something to impact that reality. So even though it's so easy to see that we live in this broken world, that we see the effects of sin and hurt in every aspect of our life, whether it's our families, in the secular world, even in the church, even though we experience that, there's something in the readings today, I think, that kind of speaks something special to that. Because we hear about a world that's in great tribulation. Everything's falling apart. And notice what happens. The Son of Man comes in power and glory into that fallen world. See, Christianity is the only religion that has its God come into the human experience. He takes upon all of our human state and he enters into that to be with that in us, to be in that with us, to suffer that with us, to be with us in all these things that are going on. No other religion does that. Jesus isn't disconnected from all the things that, we're going, that are going on in our life. What he does is that he becomes man to be with us in all of that suffering, to suffer that with us because of that love, that great love that he has for us. And then when we're in those times, we're tempted to think, I'm alone, I'm isolated, no one understands. 
And brothers and sisters, that right there is Satan's greatest lie. That's the most powerful weapon he has against us, to make us believe that we're alone, that not even God understands what I'm going through, that not even God is here. So what God does is he works directly against that lie. He works directly against that lie so that in that place where we may feel most isolated, most misunderstood, God comes to be with us in that. So we can recognize that lie for what it is, cast it out, and know that God, because of what Jesus has done, is with us in that experience. Because in there, in that moment, he makes that a special place where we can encounter him in a new way. Something about that experience opens us up to receive God's presence if we allow it. St. Paul says that where sin abounds, where all this stuff abounds, grace abounds all the more. Grace superabounds. Over and above what, whatever sin and suffering can do, God's presence is there to cast that out. He makes this the privileged place of encountering him. So that even what seems to be the darkest parts of our life, we can have the confidence to know that even there, God is with us. And here, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. No suffering, no trial, no persecution, no temptation. Nothing that's in the present, nothing in the past, nothing in the future. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Everything, because of what Jesus has done, everything becomes this place of encountering him. There's no darkness that's too dark for him. And in fact, it seems like that it's in those times... That, that the church, that our faith, kind of becomes what it should be. We see that in the example of the, of the martyrs, of these people who give everything for the church, that we say that, that's the perfection of the faith. We need it in our own daily life. When we go through these little sufferings, that's when our faith becomes real because we're most like the one who goes before us and the one who's with us every step of the way. Why, why is it like that? If Jesus really did save us, if all this is really true, why didn't he just cast all the suffering away? Why does it seem like actually things kind of just keep getting worse? That's like the hardest question to answer, I think. Nothing kind of seems satisfactory to answer that kind of question. I was listening to a lecture by a guy named Jordan Peterson. He's a psychologist who does these lectures and podcasts and videos. He kind of took off in popularity over the last couple years. He's an agnostic. He offers some great insights just kind of into the human experience. And he's kind of, he talks about this mystery of suffering. He uses the example of a three-year-old. So he knows that if you have, you have a three-year-old, maybe it's a niece, a nephew, a cousin, a godchild, a child, you know that your little you know, boy or girl is the cutest little boy or girl that's ever existed. No one can rival how cute your little, you know, baby, child, godchild, whatever it is, is. It just kind of, you know, he tries to walk and he just kind of falls back down. Maybe he just kind of rolls around on the ground and everyone's oohing and on that how this little baby's just rolling around. He tries to talk and just makes these, you know, noises. And we think, oh my gosh, that's just the cutest thing ever. Whereas, like, if I did that, that'd be weird. <laughs> And there's something, but what is that? There's something about this child. They're, he says that they're vulnerable. There's this weakness about them that we just can't help but love them. There's something about that vulnerability that just pulls love out of us. 
but we don't want that child to be hurt, right? So he says, all right, we're going to make that child, that little baby, we're going to make him eight feet tall. We don't want him to ever get hurt physically, so we're going to take his skin and kind of replace it with his steel. We don't want him to ever get hurt by making a mistake, so we'll give him the perfect artificial intelligence mind. In a sense, he says, we're going to make them invulnerable, take away that vulnerability. And then he says, all right, well, now we're, our question is, well, where's the three-year-old? Because what I just described isn't something that doesn't sound very lovable. And his point is that we don't love people. We don't love despite of vulnerability. We love people because of their vulnerability. That who you are comes from your own particular way of being vulnerable, of being open to others, of kind of being open to suffering with others. Because to love is to suffer for and with other people. We love because we suffer. We suffer because we love. That's kind of the proof of our love. And so God, who is love and who wants nothing more than to love us and for us to love him, that he comes into kind of this language of love that we experience. So he suffers with us. He comes into the reality of our life and experiences that with us. We're reminded of that every time we come to Mass, clearly in the Eucharist. We're like right here, right now, today, Jesus is coming into this building and coming into whatever experience you're going through in your life and saying, casting that lie out and saying, you are not alone because I love you so much that I'm going to suffer with you every step of the way. That's, that's how we show love, and that's how God shows his love, by suffering with us in that way so that we can be confident that even in the darkest times, that truth is never going to pass away. Jesus said, heaven's going to pass away. Earth is going to pass away. But this truth, these words of mine, will never pass away. So that we can be confident that even in the darkest times, we can hold on to that. That's where we put our anchor. That's where we put our rock. That that will never pass away. We put it anywhere else, it's going to pass away and it's going to fail. But if we rock, put our anchor in that, that rock doesn't fail. And it's kind of, it's funny that the simplest truths that we've probably heard since kindergarten Sunday school are often the most profound. Jesus loves you. Jesus will never leave you. He's always with you. God's unconditional love for us and the fact that he's always present with us. It's some of these simple truths that have the deepest meaning, yet that it, kind of, it never seems to be enough. Why is that never enough? So when that, when that day comes where it feels like everything's collapsing, that day is going to come for all of us. Don't forget the basics, the simple truths. Put your rock there. That's where your anchor is. That's where your answer is.